what I really believe is going to be shown through my life every time, period. You ain't got to ask me what I believe to know what I believe. You just watch me. Every belief I actually hold, actually hold, comes out of my life and bears fruit. So whatever fruit I'm bearing has roots in my heart and it goes back to what I believe. What I really believe is true. What I really believe is real. We've grown really, really good. We've grown really, really good at saying we believe God and living a different way. At saying we value Jesus above everything, that we see him as the all-powerful, all-sufficient ruler of heaven and earth who died for us, who lived to reveal the Father to us, who is utterly trustworthy, who defeated death and hell, who has all the grace for us to forgive all the wrongs done to us, who has a good loving plan for our life that makes all the suffering more than worth it. We, we say we believe that, right? But our lives show that we haven't yet learned how to navigate life the way Jesus does. And to be a disciple of Jesus is to be a student of Jesus, rearranging our entire lives with 100% costly commitment around learning from Jesus how to live. And we've turned it into Jesus as Savior Minus Jesus as teacher. Minus Jesus as Lord. Minus Jesus as rabbi. Minus Jesus as shepherd. So we, are end, we end up defining ourselves as forgiven. We are forgiven. He is Savior. That's just the tip of the iceberg. He wants so much more for us. Notice I didn't say he wants so much more from us. He wants so much more for us. He wants to pour his love in us so deep that it actually satisfies the deep hunger and need of our soul. He wants his reality to be so real to us that it dominates our emotional and psychological understanding of today, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., Tuesday morning. That phone call, whether you get that bad news, that text, that where suddenly your life feels like it's falling apart. He wants his reality to be so dominating our inner reality that without us trying to, we find ourselves behaving and responding the way Jesus did, naturally and easily. Without a whole lot of faking and copying Jesus. It's just walking so closely with him that his way of seeing things becomes our way of seeing things. We'll never look like Jesus till we learn how to see like Jesus. And we'll never see like Jesus until we spend enough time with his perspective, listening to his voice and hearing his words that they seem logical to us, that they seem rational and that the world seems upside down and that our fears and doubts seem irrational to us. I think most of us know the difference between where we're at and where he's at, and we want to get where he's at. Lord, I want to trust you. Lord, I believe help my unbelief. 
Lord, I want to be able to forgive. Lord, I want to be able not to live in fear. Lord, I want to be generous from the heart. I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be sad and lonely and depressed. I want to be able to be friendly because I'm not insecure about rejection. I don't want to cling to the past and project it onto the future and be dominated by my wounds. I want your love to make me alive. It's a process, isn't it? And it's less about how we, how we measure up, and it's more about whether we're in, whether we're in the process. You, we used to talk about the potter's wheel when I was a kid. We had songs about it. The difference is a, a, a piece of clay doesn't jump off the wheel when it's scared, and we do. A piece of clay just sits there, right? It just does. If the, if the master moves it this way, it moves this way. But we humans, we're the only part of the entire created universe that I'm aware of. Well, there's angels. Okay, fine. Humans and angels. As far as I can tell, are the only part of the created universe that misbehaves. <laughs> Everything else is radiating God's glory if we're open to it, if we're open to seeing it. Let me give you a few verses to back up some of what I've been trying to say. Jesus said, if you make the tree good, the fruit will be good. He said, a tree is known by its fruit. And he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We often excuse ourselves saying, but my intentions were good, Lord. I know my attitude was bad. I know my behavior was bad. I know I was mean and I know I was kind of nasty and I know I was kind of... Uh, jerk about it, but I meant well. I like to sing to one of our cats. He says, come pet me, and as soon as you pet him, after about two seconds, he turns on you, and he swipes at you, and he bites at you. And I say, oh, he has a yucky heart. And Carrie's like, no, he doesn't. He's a good boy. He's mama's good boy, aren't you? He's the, she's the only one he likes. She was gone a couple days, taking some kids to Rosedale. He was mean the whole time she was gone. She, get, she gets home. He comes up. <laughs> jumps up next to her, curls up on her lap, lets her pet him. Then here comes Annie, and Annie's like, can I touch him? And he's like, mm. I'm like, see, he has a yucky heart. He needs to go to cat obedience school. You know, I said, man, he needs to have a little kid pick him up in an uncomfortable, awkward position, bent over and drag him around the house just with that forlorn, I've given up on life, everything's terrible look on his face, little cat face. That's what he needs until he realizes nobody's going to kill him. He's just, we're, we actually like you. We don't, you don't have to, because we got him from outside under a bush. He's still got that orphan spirit thing going on where he doesn't know he's loved. And he doesn't know he's safe and he's just not sure who to trust. It's going to take a minute. I think having that one surgery that we all know what I'm talking about is probably going to help. Just a few less organs, and he'll be all right, maybe. But there's some stuff about him where it's like, no, come on, man. And I like to say, he's got a yucky heart. He's cute. He has a big bushy tail, and he's a good boy, kind of, but he has a yucky heart, right? You don't have a yucky heart. I wasn't saying that at you. I was saying because you know the cat. That's what I'm saying. And sometimes we got a yucky heart. But as a Christian, we're not supposed to say that, right? I love God. I love people. I believe in the Lord. Bro, you got a yucky heart today. 
You need to spend some time with Jesus. I, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I don't just want to, and it changes things, doesn't it? That if, if being a Christian is getting saved and going to heaven, that's different than I've rearranged my entire life with 100% commitment, no matter the cost, around the idea of walking with Jesus and learning from Jesus how to do my life. Those are different things, aren't they? Back in the early church, 100% of the church had committed to 100% costly rearranging of their life, daily life, around the practices and principles. How do we get, how do we do every moment with the Lord, for the Lord, of the Lord, in the Lord? Fast forward about 500 years, and then there begins to be like a priestly class, and the regular people are disconnected from it. And then for the last 1,500 years of the church, the relationship has been some people are committed and read their Bible and are disciplined, and the rest of the people come to church to have a service. There's been this weird split between committed, sold-out disciples who do ministry, whatever that means, and people who attend services throw a couple bucks in the plate and sometimes, you know, come to some stuff. We're a family that goes through life together. We're a family gathered around Jesus that goes through life together. This is 24-7. Church is 24-7. Being a disciple of Jesus is 24-7. It doesn't turn off. It, it doesn't come to religious services and then leave and then change who you are here and who you are there. I'd rather you be messy in church and then be a lot better out in the world than be worse in the world and better in church. Am I make, does that make sense? I'd rather you look worse and get better. But it's scary when people start looking worse and getting better. I'm in the middle of this journey where the Lord's telling me I'm allowed to be sad with him. I don't, I don't owe him my joy anymore. I don't owe him that. I don't, I don't owe him being brave. I don't owe him my best foot. Actually, he wants my whole heart, and for him to have my whole heart means I need, he needs my mess. That works in your marriage, too. If someone starts giving you their mess in your marriage and you shut that down because here we go again, that's like stomping on their heart and saying, I don't want to know the real you. I don't want to love the real you. It's true of all relationships, isn't it? If I can't be real, if you can't handle my mess, we don't have a relationship. You're basically saying, I don't really love you, and I'm not want to deal with the mess that is you. I only want the modified you, the, the publicly accessible, the, you know what I'm talking about, the appropriate you. Not the childish you, not the throwing a fit you. The Lord's not that way, guys. He wants the real me. He'd rather I cry to him. Look at the Psalms. Our songs are very like, ah! The Psalms are like, <laughs> And then they end with a, yeah! That was weird, what I just did. That was hard to put that into paragraphs of text. It's just easier to go, Ugh! In our relationships... Like, we can't be a real church if, if, if no one in here is allowed to admit when they've sinned. I don't know if it is a real church until I see you in your mess and I don't run away. You know? I think there's, every revival is marked by somebody taking off the veil and saying, I don't have makeup on today. I'm not saying try to be messy. I'm not saying be dramatic and a navel-gazing drama queen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying stop hiding. 
Like every revival has been marked by people stop hiding and move toward God and each other. Exactly. Jesus, my, my friend Tom Borowski says this so many times. He says, Jesus works really well in situations just like this. And he only seems to quote that when, the, when it's a terrible situation. Like the heartbreaking, you know what I'm talking about, heartbreaking, infuriating, disappointing situations. Tom says, Jesus works really well in situations just like this. Being a good Christian might not work well, but Jesus works really, really well. Like, what do we have, guys? Principles? Promises? We have Jesus. So much better than principles and even promises. If you know the one who gives the promise, the promise starts to be meaningful. What is that? It's a little battery tester. Anyone have a battery you need tested? Let me read you a verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And there's a world in that, in that one sentence. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. So many of us, so many of us, God, so big, so out there, so transcendent. But something about Jesus, Peter says, before I met Jesus, I wasn't really able to see myself as someone who could do the God thing. Before I met Jesus, before I was a fisherman on my own thing, doing my own thing, before I encountered Jesus and he said, you, me, let's go, I really didn't know the Father was like relevant to me. Like, I didn't know I could be relevant to him, and I didn't know he was relevant to me. But through Jesus, I've come to trust the Father. Through what Jesus has shown me. And that, like I said, there's a world in that verse. What has Jesus shown you about you? The real you is hid with Christ in God. It'll only be found as you find him. And the more you find him, the more you find I'm the beloved of God. I was chosen before he created the universe. He chose me. Before he created the universe. In love, he chose me. That's revealed through Jesus. And I'm apparently worth the blood of Jesus, guys. I'm a house fit for a king. I mean, apart from Jesus, all I knew was I'm a sinner. But in Jesus, I realized sinner isn't my identity. It's just how I became, but it's not my real self. So please stop saying I'm a sinner saved by grace. You were a son first, then you fell into sin, and he's redeemed you out of sin to get you back to your true self. Sinner is just a step on the journey, something you became, and not who you are. Because again, if you believe deep down, you're evil. If you believe it, and so many of us do. Deep down, we believe we're evil. Deep down, we believe we're not worthy of love. That's why I think those things Doug just wrecked me with. 
You know, from the belief that I'm not worthy of love, Jesus, deliver me. From the belief that if people really knew the real me on the inside, they wouldn't want to be with me. I have to heavily modify me. Deliver me. It's in Jesus that I find my real identity. It's in Jesus I finally see the Father. I'm sorry, guys, I, I, I don't mean to preach. I'm just trying to do five minutes on this one verse. Let me get up out of here. It's through Jesus we come to trust in God, and it's through trusting in Jonathan's trying to encourage me to go longer again. It's the way he is. It's through Jesus that we come to trust in God. And what did I say? I said, everything you really believe comes out in your life. You don't have to ask somebody what they believe. You just watch their life to see what they believe, right? Your system is perfectly designed to give you the results you're getting. If you don't like your results, don't look for who to blame. Sit back and sit still. And maybe if you're like me and Stan lately, and Jonathan apparently, set the timer for 15 minutes and just sit quietly with Jesus. And don't talk. Don't pray. Just be. Just be. Stop filling everything with noise. Let him be your shepherd for a minute. You go, 15 minutes? I thought you said total commitment. Well, part of total commitment is sit still with him. Say, okay, Lord, you say my system is perfectly designed to give me what I'm getting. You say fruit reveals root. You say everything I really believe bears fruit, which is why the righteous are saved by faith. It doesn't mean they're saved by believing something that's correct, even though their life's totally inconsistent with it. It means the only way to get with God is to change what you believe at the root level so that you go with God because you look and you see, oh my word, you're beautiful, you're incredible, you're strong and powerful, I can trust you. You've stripped away the fear of death and everything I've lost somehow in the great restoration that's coming when Jesus returns, every single grief and sacrifice and loss will be repaid and more and I won't even consider it comparing with the sufferings I'm going through now. Won't even be compared with the glory I'm going to get then. The glory I'm going to get then. Now, if you, in theory, we go, oh yeah, that's right, that's Christian doctrine. But imagine if you just believed it. We just struggle to figure out, I got two you know, sleeping bags and this guy needs one. Should I give it? Should I not? I don't know. That's my favorite one. That struggle comes from what I believe, doesn't it? So if we just focus on behaving, then this whole Christian life is going to be endless grit, determination, discipline, and effort. But if we focus on relationship and going deep with Jesus, and he's revealing what the Father is like, again, through Jesus, Peter says, we've come to trust in God. If I let Jesus take me by the hand and walk me deeper, I see differently. And what I genuinely see and apprehend in my heart grows big in my understanding and automatically begins to transform my attitudes and actions. It can't be that simple, Tim. Well, it better be simple because I didn't know you had to be an intellectual to do kingdom. If kids can do it and people with low IQ can do it, It better be simple. And I thought I was following somebody who said, you got to become like a kid to properly perceive his kingdom. Speaking of, oh my word, this is so cool, you guys. 
when I was a little kid, I used to have a dream of flying. In my dream, I could just fly. You know what I'm talking about? You just be like, you, you put your hands up and you will it and your feet leave the ground. All the time when I was a little kid. It's so strong, sometimes I actually start to believe I can do it in the non-dream world. I'm sitting at the piano and I'm singing a song about this to, with Annie next to me. Singing about watching my feet leave the ground. The houses get smaller and the cars get real tiny like little, you know, little matchbox cars. The home's looking like a little Christmas thing. Diet. What's that thing called where you make the little mini houses with the trains? That thing, model. The trees get smaller. Suddenly I'm up there with the birds and I'm free. I hear this little voice yelling at me to come down and do my chores. Oh, it's mom. Sorry, mom, I'm flying. Too bad, I'm free. That night, that very next night that I sang that song with Annie next to me, I haven't dreamt like flying like that since I was a little kid. I sang that song with Annie sitting next to me. That next night, I had the flying dream again. It was awesome. Here's how the little song ended. Two nights in a row, I dreamt of flying. I dig it, dude. It's cool. Here's how the song with Annie ended. I think deep down as a little kid, we all want to be free, and we know, we intuit that if we can fly, we'll be free. And here's the weirdest thing. It's in your Bible. I'm not making it up. When Jesus comes back, it says there's going to be a loud shout of an archangel. That's a big boss battle angel, like a general. And there's going to be a loud trumpet, and Jesus is going to return on the clouds. And who's going to meet him in the air? Tim. Well, and you guys are welcome too. And I was like, are you kidding me? That intuition of a little kid is, is biblical. You know how often it is that we like treat little kids like, ah, oh, get realistic. Now Bunny's worshiping. I'm just trying to tell you on this one verse that it's through Jesus that we've come to trust in the Father. Here you go, Stan. Here's your microphone. Yeah. Walk you up. It's perfect time. Yeah. What? So, what time we got? 11:52. 11:52. So, huh? Oh, I don't know, but y'all, but I'm, I'm, I'm wrecked. Um. Uh. So, you know, I had a plan, and but it's all good. Tim needed to do what he needed to do. Um, but I want to share this real quickly with you guys. If you see me standing up here with no shoes on, you're going to start seeing this a lot. Because this house that we walk in, it's not just a house that we walk in. This is God's property. This, this has been given to us by God. This is holy ground that we're standing on in this building. And wherever we go, that holy ground is with us. Okay? So this is holy ground that we stand on in this building. We need to treat this place like it's holy ground. You know, 
this is God's house. We need to treat it like his, his house. And I'm not saying we're not doing that, but I'm just telling you that this place is holy. Yes. This place is holy. You know? And, um, you know, so I just I wanted to share that with you, and I'm going to share something else, and then we're just, yeah, we can just have a prayer team come up. So, um, if anybody hasn't seen the Jesus Revolution, please go see it. Um, so I went and watched it, and and I've never I've seen the Passion of the Christ. I've seen I've seen I can only imagine, and I like the Passion of the Christ. I just couldn't handle that. Of course, you know who can? You know what I mean? Um, only I can only imagine. I felt the presence of God, but when I went and seen the Jesus Revolution, I got totally wrecked by God. Um. And it's just been an ongoing thing ever since ever since I've watched that movie. There's been this theme that's been building since December of last year. And I don't think it's just a theme because everything that's going on in our world, um, God has just been putting this burning in my heart for revival. And he is not letting go, guys. He is not leaving me alone about it. You know, um, and, uh, you know, so, so I've just been praying, you know, God, it's an awesome thing you're doing doing in Kentucky. But guess what? You can do the same thing right here in Delaware. The same exact thing right here in Delaware God is doing now. I've been getting emails from different churches and different things that God's doing. And I'm telling you, God is moving. You know, God is moving. You know, and we just need to get in the water. We just need to get in the wave and go with him. You know, just throwing worship, the Lord was giving me, let's, let's go take a ride with Jesus, because that's what he wants. He wants us to get in and go take a ride with him, you know, and, and we, got to, we got to do that. You know, it's not, it's not time to be sitting on the sideline. It's time to get in. Get in on what God's doing, because, because he's doing something amazing. You know, um, like it just, like even spending time at home with God, it's just been like, whew, just like downpour. You know what I mean? I walk in this building. It's like downpour. You know, everywhere we go, we got Jesus. We carry him every single where we go. So I just want you to know that the revival starts with me and you. It starts with us. It starts with one person. One person can burn and leave a spark and a great big blaze and fire can burn. You know, so it just takes one of us, you know, to go after him, you know, and it takes us laying down our pride, laying down what we want, laying down, you know, let's, let's, let's get, I I know I'm preaching, but I'm just telling you that the presence of God won't leave me alone about this stuff. It shouldn't be 12 o'clock. We're going to get out these doors. Shouldn't be 12 o'clock. We're going to run out these doors. God wants us to spend time with him. It shouldn't be a time frame on what God wants to do. Okay. There shouldn't be a time frame. You know, we should have reverence before the Lord. If he's sitting here and he's on you and you can't go nowhere, don't go nowhere. Just because everybody else is going, don't go. Unless he, unless he tells you to go. Unless he, 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 he gets you up from that and says, okay, you're done, you can go. You know? Um, you know, so, so I'm just telling you, I'm going on a ride with Jesus. And y'all can come. If not, I'm going anyway. I'm just letting you know. You, you know, um, I'm just, I'm just telling you, you know, um, and, uh, and stuff, you know, I'm, I'm going to share three real quick things. And now I'm gonna bring a prayer team up.
Um, our prayer meetings have been on point. Tim, Tim's been teaching on Wednesday nights. And it has been, I'll sit there and, and it's like just, just from teaching because we're digging. We're digging into what God has. It's not, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. But he wants us to dig. He wants us to dig into what he has. If it's prayer, it's hearing the word, whatever it is, he wants us to dig into it so he can hear us. You know, and, um, you know, so, so we've been, you know, prayer night this past week, you know, it's just like been awesome. You know, so if you're not doing nothing on Wednesday nights, come out because God, God's showing up. God, God is showing up here. God is meeting us here. Okay. Um, I know some, sometimes you got work and people got work and I understand, I fully understand that. But, but I'm just telling you, if you can meet, come meet, you know what I mean? Um, and stuff, you know, but, uh, but we just, you know, we did this thing, um, on Wednesday and, I, and, 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 um, and, and we're going to do it. We're actually, we're going to do it. So whoever, whoever was here on Wednesday night, I want you to come up here. I want you all to create a circle just like we did on Wednesday night. Okay? Um, so this is what we did on Wednesday night. We, 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 had, we had a circle, and, um, and, uh, and we just grabbed hands. Now, this is not pretty for, for, because we already did this on Wednesday night. But anybody that's been struggling, battling, or just needs more, more of Jesus, I want you to come get in this middle of the circle. We're not going to lay our hands on you. We're going to pray a prayer. And I'm, I'm willing to wait. Like, we're going to, we're going to just take our time. You know? If you got to go, I understand that's fine. But we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do what the Lord wants. I'm going to do what the Lord told me to do. And he told me to do this last night. So I'm going to be obedient to what the Lord told me to do. 